I've started businesses that didn't light me up before. And within the first three months of going down that business path, I knew that business wasn't for me because I was procrastinating. I was dreading doing the work. I was unmotivated and unproductive. And frankly, I just wanted to do nothing. I was forcing myself to try to push through those feelings and that caused me to use up so much energy and effort. Every day, I felt like I was pushing a big boulder up a hill and it was never ending. And I've heard other business owners admit things like they wish they had their own TV show for years only for it to come to fruition. And it wasn't all that they thought it would be. That you had a dream and the dream didn't pan out how you envisioned it. I am Shanice Miller and welcome to my podcast, Do Less. Yes, that's right. Do less. It used to be cool to work 60 hours a week, but the world has gotten smarter and realized why spend more time to make the same or less money. I help small business owners build systems and processes to help them scale and find more time for themselves and their families. I'm going to provide you the best practices and all the tools and tips to scale your business. Welcome to my show. So today I'm bringing on Goalie. Goalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So tell me about the time when it hit you and you said to yourself, this isn't all that you wanted to be doing for the rest of your life. Yeah. So a little bit about my story. I um, I think like, I don't know if your audience is mostly entrepreneurs, but I think for a lot of us, we, we can relate to... Okay, good. But I think even within entrepreneurship, because it's for so many of us, we started down another path because growing up, most of us were told, like, this is what you have to do to be successful. You have to go to school, you have to go to college, you have to get this degree, you have to get this job, get a stable job, be, you know, successful. And I really didn't question that. And I did that. And I uh, became a lawyer and I really kind of put my head down and was good at school. And so, you know, I never looked up to be like, is this even what I want to do? It was kind of like, well, look, you know, you keep getting kind of that pat on the head. That that praise is a hell of a drug. And you're like, all right, I'm just doing the right thing. Let me just keep doing it. All the while knowing like this doesn't feel right or I don't want to do this or this is a drag, like you were saying, like dragging every day and pushing yourself. But it's like, well, I want to be successful. I want to, you know, prove my worth. I want to feel good about myself. And so I did that and I went to a really I went to a top 10 law school. I was really successful in doing that and I got a job in a top 10 law firm and I was, you know, by all accounts, wow. a quote unquote success. And I was absolutely miserable. And so going back to your question of when did I know on the first day of that I went to work, like the wow. first week of my job at this big law firm that was super fancy and I finally made it and I was getting paid a ridiculous amount for me at that time. I was like 26, 27. I was like, this is it. I have made it. And then really within that week, I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? Wow. And I don't want to be here and what now? And so um, that was kind of the rude awakening of my career in law. And it, it didn't, you know, it took, I still worked as a lawyer for about seven years after that. And it wasn't as though like I had that realization and was like, okay, I have to change something. I think like a lot of people, it was like, well, suck it up and figure it out. Like you're just scared or it's not supposed to be fun and work mm -hmm. sucks and you're an adult now and, you know, pull up your big girl pants and get to work. And I did that and I just kept pushing through. And I think like what you see so many people in corporate America or even in, in entrepreneurship, people that pick something and then 
there is that inner knowing. Like we all have that little voice. It's like, this is not, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like this can't be the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And we're so taught to push it down and just push through. And that's what I did. And I ultimately just completely burned myself out and was, you know, it's funny because you look back and you're like, well, of course it was obvious, but so many of us live in that place that it was normal. I dreaded Mondays. I had anxiety on Sundays. Mm -hmm. I would get, you know, have mini panic attacks at certain times at work. I would cry a lot in my office. Like it's sad that in our, it's sad in our society that that's like normal. Like, oh yeah, we all, who doesn't cry? And you're like, no, that shouldn't be the way that you have to live. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think, you know, we don't really look at it as, okay, we're crying at work and that's like a, that's a bad thing or like dreading Mondays. Like, you know, it is that trope where it's just like, oh, it's Monday again. Oh, my weekend. But it's like, no, if you have something that really lights you up, then you should feel excited to go on a Monday. You should be ready to work. And like, you're feeling all these things, a panic attack. That's a true sign. Yeah, that was, I was getting certain feelings as well. Like that shortness of breath, like a heart, like Mm -hmm. just that feeling in my chest that, and Mm -hmm. I was, I knew I I broke out in hives one time and I knew, yeah, I knew that's when I wasn't in the right place anymore. And, and that's good that you noticed that because other people, and I can't tell you how many clients I've had who had that same symptom, like their body would break out in hives. It's fascinating because our body is telling us, right? And what we do is like, oh, you're anxious? Like here's some anti-anxiety medication. Oh, you're depressed? Like, well, let's not look at why you're depressed. Let's just hear some, you know, antidepressant. And I'm, it, I have nothing against medica- medicating to help you. And I think that it is, you know, a miracle of modern science. But it depends. Like if you have a chemical imbalance and you need it, great. But if it's situational and you're depressed because you're doing something you hate every single day, then like maybe it's not putting a Band-Aid on. And when you say this, I had a friend who would break out in hives and she would just keep treating the hives, right? And it was like getting ointments and put, and it's like, why are you breaking out in hives at work? Like your body is literally being like, I can't handle this level of stress anymore. And we're like, oh, let me just, you know, put an ice pack on it or let me figure out like what lotion to put on it. Um, and it was the same thing. I mean, I didn't have full-blown panic attacks and I don't want to take that because I think a lot of people do. I was noticing that it was increasingly getting there and I was having more and more anxiety and, and it was coming to the place where I was like, I feel like as though I'm having it, you know, a heart attack. I can't breathe. And I, and like you, I started realizing like, okay, this cannot be, I cannot live like this. Right. And I think whether, you know, at the time, it's funny, like so many people have the grapple with, oh, I couldn't cut it. I look back and I'm like, thank God I couldn't cut it because I think mm-hmm. so many people keep pushing through. And I was just like, I can't, I physically can't keep doing this. And I'm so grateful now to my body that it couldn't because it was what was like forced me to be like, I have to stop. But like you, it was that same thing where people were like, oh, you had an allergic reaction. I was just like, I yeah. don't really have aller- allergies. And I also ate the same thing the night before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and had no problem. So it was like one of this, these strange things that it just like happened. I like, when I had the hives, I was about to faint too. So it was a lot of stuff going <laughs> yeah. on. And I'm like, this is crazy. And, but it was one of those things like, oh, I do know I need to go. So those are like some of the things we'll talk about with clients. Like, okay, these are certain tasks that you need to eliminate because it's yes. not just about automating or delegating. There are certain things we need to fully eliminate from ourselves, our lives to have that happier that. and better life all around. A hundred percent. 
And I completely agree as well. It's that pressure that you feel from the people around you. I remember having one client come in before and she had brought her two kids in, a boy and a girl. And they were like, I think they were six and eight. And she looks at them. She was an Asian woman. She looks at them and she goes, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it was pretty much rehearsed. And the daughter said lawyer and the son said doctor. And that was like what's been ingrained in you. Like you said, like you're going to go to college, you're going to get this degree, you're going to be a lawyer. And that's the, that's what you have written down for your life. And in some instances, like having some of that guidance can really help. And I see how like it gives you a certain path, but to not be saying that it's okay to quit. Yes. That's when the pressure comes in to say like, okay, well, this was the path we showed you, but you can always pivot, go somewhere else. But at least we gave you a guide to go down and you decide what works best and try some different things. Totally. Yeah. I think that like the thing is, is I've talked a lot about like my upbringing and my parents and like I'm Iranian American. I was, I immigrated here when I was five and I, and my parents, you know, coming from another country. And I feel like a lot of immigrant parents, just like a lot of parents, like they just, you just want the safety and the best for your kids and you're in a new place. And you know that like the way to safety is to have, you know, it's not a matter of are you going to be happy? It's, are you going to be safe? Are you going to be secure? Right? Like not that they don't want you to be happy, but the number one goal is kind of security. Right. And I think for humans in general, we are so terrified of uncertainty and, you know, and, and I think when you come from cultures where the way they grew up and even here, like if you look back, you know, in, in the last 20 years, so much has changed and there's so much opportunity and you could start a business very easily and you could do all these things. That wasn't the case. Like when I was going through school and I'm going to date myself, but like, you know, back when like I was going through school and high school, you still like, if you wanted to be an entrepreneur, like you had to do a brick and mortar, like you're going to buy a Domino's pizza or something. You need $500,000 like, or whatever it was. And it's like, that was just not in the cards. Like my parents, I had never seen entrepreneurs they had gone to school, they had gotten degrees, they had gotten good jobs, they were accountants, you know, it was very like stable. And so I realized that like, that's what they were putting on me was simply what they knew, right? Mm -hmm. What they knew is the path to guide you, like that's their job, right? And so I don't begrudge them on that. I I realize that like they could have known what was going to happen with technology or that you don't need these degrees as much or it's not as important, you know, it's not there's other ways to make money and be stable and that like corporate America really isn't stable. Like there just wasn't this kind of conversation then. So well, I think back then I, corporate America was stable and yes, they had pensions exactly. and different things. And exactly. it's like now with the internet and the change in 401ks, it was just like, no, it's not as stable anymore. It's not that person totally. who's having those long-term jobs. And I do agree with you. Like your parents are just trying to tell you what they knew or like the mistakes they yes. made and what they wish. And I mean, our kids would say the same thing like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, you told me what you knew, but that's not us. You know, that's not it for our generation. hundred <laughs> And I'm like preparing myself for that. I have two small kids and like it's fascinating because I think about it and I'm like I'm still so programmed to believe that education is the way that like even though like I see there's so much like you know why would you have to pay $100,000 for a degree? Mm -hmm. I'm like oh I don't know if push comes to shove and they say they don't want to go to college. I have a lot of thoughts because I've been programmed and conditioned with those thoughts you Mm -hmm. know and I have to figure that and I know that 
it's going to be the same thing because every generation grows. And for us, we sort of, not like we get left behind, we just have been programmed in one way and they're going to see it differently. And we're going to fight about the same things that I fought with my parents about, but just in a different context. And that's just the way the world, it's always been like that. It will always be like that. And that's okay. Like you said, I mean, I, so I have, you know, I don't hold any, you know, I wasn't upset that like, why did my parents put this pressure on me? Like I could understand where that kind of came from. Mm -hmm. But it was maybe not in the moment. Yes, <laughs> looking no, back exactly. now, but not in the moment. <laughs> Why did yeah, my parents do this? They're ruining my life. <laughs> there's definitely been a lot of growth in that acceptance. Yes, that at the time it was like, "Why do you have to put so much pressure?" And well, I don't need to be perfect. And why can't you just love me? And it was a lot of that. But and it's funny because I still mess. With, me and my sister mess with my mom all the time, and it's so it's like every time, look, we're just constantly like hammering her like all of the things that like quote, she did quote unquote wrong and she's like I was trying the best I could you know and it's like we joke about it now and you're right at the time it was a lot of pressure and I felt very trapped because of that pressure not this is the thing I work with a lot of people is that like we love to believe we don't have a choice because it's a hard choice right I could have quit that first week I could have left that first year you know as a lawyer I could have done a lot of things and I was an adult I my parents didn't control you know I they didn't pay for my rent, they didn't do any, like I could have said, like, I don't want to do this. But we sort of create these invisible cages for ourselves. And it's like, well, I can't leave because, and it's really because I don't want to deal with that discomfort. I don't want to have these conversations with my parents. I don't want them to feel disappointed that after all of this effort and this money and this time, I'm walking away from this. And so it was really more of my own confines of like, no, I can't just leave this, even though I, I very much could seven years earlier. I just kept grinding and grinding and grinding until the point that I just couldn't anymore. So what was that main thought that you said, okay, I can't just leave this, like that made you, because you yeah. mentioned a couple of things, but what was that main yeah. thought, that main feeling? I think the main feeling was, for me, was like, I, I have spent, like, it's funny that you mentioned those kids. I had been saying I was going to be a lawyer since I was nine years old. It was the same thing. It was ingrained in me. And I was like, this is what, and I knew I didn't like, like science and blood and that kind of stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to be a doctor. So I guess I'm going to be a lawyer. And like, and so for me, it was like, this is my identity. This is, I've only ever been the kid that was going to go to law school or that was in law school or that was a lawyer. And I really felt like I've put my whole life up until that point, I'd put all of my life, all of my time, a lot of money I'd spent, you know, I was like $100,000 in debt from my law school degree. So I was like, I have the amount I've invested both time, energy, and money in this. I can't just throw all of that away. Like mm -hmm. it really felt like I was throwing it away. And so that the, the, you know, there's this sunk cost fallacy. Like the more we sink time and energy and money into something, the more likely we're to stick with it, even if it doesn't serve us. That was the biggest hold on me. It was like, I mean, that and I also thought I had no other skills and talents. I was like, there's nothing, I don't know how to do anything else. I've only ever studied this. Like I couldn't get a job doing anything else. So mm -hmm. I think between those two, I felt very like, well, this is it. This is the only skills I have. And I've put so much into it that there's no way I can do anything else. You know, I can completely re relate with that time energy because I knew it was, I was right in the middle. I had just finished my sophomore year in college and I was just like, mm, I don't know if the workforce is really for me. And I was starting to like pivot, but I was like, I've already come this far. Mm -hmm. I should at least continue on, not waste those credits to be able to, even though like I knew I was going through something and 
just like you, my first day, I was just like, this is not going to be my retirement job. I'm not going to be here 30 years. I'm not going to be here 20 years. Like I came into my first career with that mindset. And I think that mindset actually made it happen. So yeah, that absolutely made it happen. Because I think most people go in and it's like, well, I guess I'm here for the next 30 years or, you know, until they kick me out. So what shifted in you that made you deprogram and have that first initial step that you were like, okay, well, I know that this isn't for me and let me go and find something different. Yeah. So for me, I, and it's funny because I see this a lot with a lot of my clients is sometimes you need a nudge from the, like the universe. There needs to be some kind of break. Some people are strong enough to just quit and be like, I'm going to start over. And I, I encourage a lot of people to do that and I help them kind of do that. But for me, I ended up getting a a quote unquote break. It wasn't a break, but I had my son and I was going to take maternity leave. And so I, got to stop working and like not think about work for a couple of months. And then we ended up moving in that time. So I had to quit my job and move to another state. And that was really the impetus of like, okay, well now I have, if I think if I had stayed, I would have just gone back to my job. It would have been too short of a period, like three months. I would have like not, you know, obviously like in maternity leave, you're not sleeping. You're not, you know, you're there. It's so exhausting. So it's not like as though I was like hatching my career plan at the time. I was just taking care of my baby. And I think if I had stayed in Arizona, I would have just gone back to that same job. But I think being forced to quit and then have to look for a new job was the time where I was really then questioning because I would get, I would look at these job applications, I mean, the job descriptions, and I would just feel nauseous. Like I would feel this pit in my stomach and I would just think like, I don't want to do this. I can do this. I'm qualified to do this. I don't want to even apply because like, I don't want to get this job. Like I don't want to have to be doing this every day, you know? And that was like the little like and, – and I wish I had the forethought. I wish I could say I was so introspective that I was like I was going to leave. I was just complaining every day to my husband. I was complaining every day about every job application, about how little I wanted to do it. And God bless him. He was the one that was like, if you hate it this much, why don't you do something else? Wow. And I remember in the beginning I was like incredulous and like I would roll my eyes and I was like, what What do you mean do something else? Like I'm a lawyer and this is what I do and like there's nothing else I can do. But he had planted a seed and I was like – I started thinking like at night when I was going to bed like could I do something else? Is there something – like are there other lawyers that did something else? What else could I do? And it was just slowly that idea and – Again, I give him so much credit because honestly, I was so blessed to have not only his support, but his like wisdom and talking about this whole sunk cost. He was the one that really like flipped a switch for me because in it, in our discussions, I kept saying, I can't throw all of this away. I can't throw, I've Mm -hmm. spent 10 years and a hundred thousand dollars, like getting this, these degrees and, you know, getting this work experience. I can't just throw it all away. And he said, Okay, so you're just going to throw the next 30 years away? Wow. That's and a big mind I, shift right there. I mean, it was huge. It was literally – then that when they tell you it was like a moment, like yes. that was like a light switch. I was like, oh my God, he's right. Because at the time I was only – I was like 31 and I was thinking about I'm going to work for another 30, 35 years, 40 years, right? And if I already am this unhappy in this, you know, and I'm having these – like this anxiety and at this point it also like, you know – the stakes become higher when you have a kid because I'm like, well, now I'm going to leave my child to go do something I hate, right? It's like now it's like I also then add on that like I have to balance motherhood and I and it was just too much. And when he said that, I was like, oh my God, he's right. 
like, okay, let's say, and I don't even think it wasn't a, like, I didn't throw it away. Like that's that those 10 years really formed who I am. But mm-hmm. even if we throw it away, okay, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And it, that really shifted the way I started thinking about it. And I was like, no, I have to find something else. I really love the fact that he put it in that perspective because so many times I was stuck in the past looking at how much energy and effort I put towards something that might not have been moving the needle forward. And instead of looking at how much time I had in front of me, I'm so busy looking at, and I see people too, when they are filled with regrets, you're so busy looking at the time and that's what been behind you that you're not looking at all of the time and possibilities that are in front of you. So I really love that because that's a whole mindset shift. And exactly. It also comes into play when we are doing with our clients, the one year, three year, five year vision plans, your full Mm -hmm. action plan, planning out exactly where do you see your life? Because we have a lot more life in front of us than we think. Even if, you know, someone is 50, 60 years old, you think it's not, you know, you're too old to make a change. It's like, no, you can still look towards and do things every day to go towards the life that you really want to live. You're not necessarily stuck. So I know a hundred percent. I know your next business was a photo booth business. So, so how'd you get into that? You're, you're applying (laughs) and then photo booth. Yeah, Yeah, it it definitely didn't happen in that quickly. It wasn't like, well, now I'm going to start a photo booth business. Again, I think it's like, sometimes you also have to give yourself time to mold and like cocoon, you know, come out. Like if you're going through this kind of metamorphosis stage and you're transforming, it takes time. And I think oftentimes it's like for so many of us, especially in our hustle culture and in our culture of like productivity, improving our worth, like it's like, well, okay, what's the next thing? What am I going to do? And I was in that space. But one of the things that I did now looking back at the time, I thought I was wasting all this time, but it was like one of the smartest things. I didn't know what to do. I was like, at this point, like I'm like starting for me, it seemed like blank slate. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, if I don't do law, what am I going to do with my time? And I had entrepreneurship wasn't even on my radar. I was just like, I got to get another job. What can you do with a law degree? So I went down kind of that rabbit hole and talking to career coaches and stuff. And then I started just going to meetups. At the time, like I was like, you know, there wasn't that much, not that there, obviously there was online groups, but it wasn't as big like Facebook groups and stuff. This was like 2014. So it wasn't as, as big where like you can, so I was like, I just got to go find people and figure out what they do for work because I don't even know, like I knew, okay, you could be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, but like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand what these other jobs were. Like people would be like, I'm a product manager. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, like, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. So I started just going to random meetups. Cause I was like, I just got to see what the, like I went to meetups for graphic designers and for engineers and for, you know, tech in tech and product managers. And just to be like, how did you get into this? What do you do every day? You know, cause I wanted to learn. And, and to be honest, I wanted to get out of the house. I was at this, in my home with a one year, you know, one year old at the time. And I was like, my husband would come home from work and I'd be like, here you go. I have to go to this meetup. I got to get out of here. And it, it was, was like time for-, <laughs> for some mommy yeah. for some grown up time. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I cannot listen to this crying anymore. I need like an hour to just talk to like adults. You know, I'd come from like some, like it was a high pressured job to just being in the home with a baby every day. And I was, you know, slowly losing my mind a little bit. And I was like, I need to get out of this house. So that was sort of what I had done. And Long story short, through those, I had found a tech startup uh, meetup that I loved going to. I just loved the energy of the people. And it was mm-hmm. sort of like Shark Tank style, people pitching. 
and I just got plugged into that community and I started going every month or every, it was like every other week they had an event and I would just go and I would, and it was all these entrepreneurs and it was mostly like tech startup entrepreneurs, but I started like, see, like seeing people that were so passionate about what they were doing. And I was like, it, you can be this excited about what you're working on. Like I'd never seen that. Right. Like it's like any law, go to any lawyer networking event and you are not seeing a bunch of really excited, passionate people. You're just, you know, and so just that energy was so exciting to me. And then again, it's like these like seeds get planted. I started like seeing these people and I had thought like to be an entrepreneur, you need something special. You need degrees. You need to have this, some it quality. Mm -hmm. And I would talk to very, very normal people and not to like toot my own horn, but I was just like, I'm just as smart as you. Like, why does this person think they can get up and ask for a million dollars in funding and like try to raise money for this random idea that they have that they haven't really fleshed out. And I'm over here being like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I can't mm -hmm. do that. And so that slowly started. Like I was also, by the way, during this time applying to jobs and I was volunteering and I was doing all of these things to figure out like, what do I want to do with my life? Mm -hmm. That slowly led to like, maybe I could start a business what kind of business would I start? I really liked the idea of like working for myself and having that time freedom and flexibility. And I liked the idea of growing something and I really wanted to prove to myself. And then the photo booth just came out of like, I was sort of in search of a problem. I was like, I want to start a business, but I don't know what. Mm -hmm. And at the time, my husband's an engineer and we were building a photo booth for my son's first birthday. And we were just making – at the time, there was none that were out of tablets. Like, I didn't want a really expensive thing. I just wanted something that was, like, people could have fun at his birthday with. And I couldn't find anything. And that I feel like that's how so much of entrepreneurship yeah. starts, where people are like, wait, why has nobody created this? People would love this. This is my so, problem. I need the solution yes, to my own problem. Exactly. Exactly. All good businesses. So I was like, maybe I could make this into a business. Maybe I could start creating these kind of tablet-based photo booths. and that's where it started. And that was my first business. Okay. So then what, I know you quit that business too. But yeah. yeah. I quit things left and right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I quit things left and right too. So <laughs> you're not, you're not alone in that boat, but <laughs> what system do you use now to decide whether to quit a business and to figure out what work engages you? Yeah, that's such a good question. I, I have to say this, like as I've gone through this journey and I think for all the entrepreneurs listening, like entrepreneurship is one of the quickest ways to push you through also personal growth because all of your stuff comes up, right? All of the inadequacies and the imposter syndrome and the, you know, needing to drop perfectionism. So through this process, I was doing a lot of personal inner work and self-growth and like really learning to tune into myself and like what is it that I want and why was I always doing what everybody else wanted? And mm. so I have to say like there's part of it is that, is me being more in tune of like why am I doing this even and asking those questions like am I doing this to prove I'm good enough? Am I just trying to succeed to try to like prove my worth? Why am I, you know, or do I really believe in this product and I want to help people and whatnot? So I sort of have this like gauge and barometer and I always like talk to my clients about like it's a pendulum. It's not as though you're like, I'm always tuned in and I always know the exact right answer. It's like, I just notice myself like, hey, sometimes like my pendulum is swinging into like, I'm working too much and I'm burning myself out or I'm, you know, kind of losing touch with why I was doing this. And then I bring myself back and it's like, okay, let's get back to like, what was the why? Why are we doing this? What do you want to do? Like you were saying, what do I want to cut out? What's mm -hmm. draining me? Like, and then I, you know, sometimes I go too far and I'm like, all right, listen, we got to hustle a little bit. You've got to work a little bit. Like, it's not all about like rainbows and butterflies. And then I bring myself back. And so 
I've learned this kind of calibration with myself and I let myself kind of be in those. I don't need to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. But I think another key thing though for myself is that like, so I do a lot of, I coach on mindset now. I'm a, after that business, I went and I got certified as a mindset coach, a life coach, and I now a master certified life coach. And I'm really like learned a lot of the tools to like help you manage your own mind. And one of the things that I realized is that like, because there's fear, because there is, you know, the imposter syndrome or the uncertainty, our brains are very smart and can be really tricky where it's like, it, I, I started realizing like, let's say I want to start a new, like I started a membership. I knew my brain was going to go to, it's not working. Everybody hates us. You're not good at this. Shut it down. Right. Yeah. And like, I know that's where my brain's going to go. When I started my podcast, I knew my brain after like, it was like, no one's listening. Stop doing it. This is embarrassing. Like you should stop this now. So one of the other ways I sort of put a check on this is that I really set certain like different, like time goals where I would say like, when I started my podcast, I was like, come hell or high water, I'm doing this podcast for a year. I'm going to do it every week for a year. And then I can reevaluate. And then I can I check in with myself thing. and say like, I say the exact same thing because it's part I of my it. action plan. And that's how yes. it's like you can really to see if something's working, giving yourself a not enough time, not just like yes. pulling the rug from under your feet before you've even like a lot, like mm-hmm. one day, that's not enough time to really go through 100%. and see if this is working or not. So what are mm-hmm. you quitting next? Oh, such a good question. So many things. And that's the thing is like, um, actually, it's funny because I'm going through this r- right now where I've been thinking a lot and why I love your podcast and this idea is because I think, again, like this pendulum, I've realized, okay, I've created a lot of unnecessary complication in my business. And I've, re- you know, you, we can keep ourselves really busy with a lot of like um, hustling and busy work just to feel productive. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I'm quit like deciding is like, how do I quit everything that's unnecessary and really go back to the simplest form? Like if I was going to make this the simplest business and I was going to make what are the like the needle moving things I have to do every week and that's it. And then either I delegate or I just don't do it. Like you said, I just cut it. And it's like, we don't, do we need to be on the, all of these platforms? Do we need to, do I even need to do social media? Like I yes. constantly question these things. Like what, who said, what if I just did the podcast and email? Maybe I just, so right now I'm in that, that process of figuring out what can I quit within the business that isn't necessary. That's just kind of clogging up my time and energy so that I can focus more on the things that are working and then give myself more time for rest or building something new or, you know, whatever it is. So you can do less. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jolie. It was such a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure and I'm so glad we got to connect. And if you, you know, your audience ever wants to like find more, they can find me at Lessons from a Quitter pretty much everywhere and come say hi. So this has been an amazing episode of Do Less with me, Shanice Miller. Share this episode with anyone who needs to hear this today. Leave a five-star rating and review. And remember, if you're an entrepreneur and you need to do less in your business, click the link in the description to work with me.